folks to Make Mind Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as usual, is Jess. Nick is Womp Womp Gonzo. So this is our first show. He's filming the new season of Riverdale. He's filming the new season of, of Riverdale. That's or Avatar yes. or Avatar. That's that's. <laughs> oh yes, Avatar, the live action adaptation that is going to erase the scars of that movie. Yeah. He was he was one of the white dudes on the end of the stage of the Democratic debate last night. So he just like got blown out of the oh water by God. everybody else, and he's not really here. Um, but joining us for the second part of our episode is uh, a special guest, Vince Ostrowski from the DC Three Cast, will be with us to talk about House of X and Powers of Ten. Before we get there, though, want to take a moment. If you are coming to us from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud wherever it is that you get your podcasts, take a moment, uh, rate, uh, subscribe, um, leave your comments. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you on, on Twitter, on, on Facebook, on, or not, not on Facebook, on Twitter, this, that, and the other, yada, yada. Um, if you're coming to us from there and you haven't heard about multiversitycomics.com, where we're hosted, what are you waiting for? Multiversity Comics is your home for all things Marvel, DC, IDW, Image, all things television and sci-fi and Star Wars and movie related that has to do with comics. They're a wonderful site of news, reviews, and think pieces, podcasts, and this, that, and the other. We're in the middle of our summer coverage at Multiversity. So the Multiversity summer television binge is happening where some of our writers are going back and binging older new shows and writing up their thoughts. We also uh, debuted this summer, the Multiversity Summer Comics Binge, which is uh, people reading through series that they either missed or have wanted to reread or have wanted to hate read for a very long time. Uh, so check some of that coverage out. I'm finishing up my coverage of Jonathan Hickman's uh, Fantastic Four and FF, which is appropriate because we're going to spend the whole next part of the episode gushing on Hickman um, and probably a little bit right now. So, for the first part of this episode, we're going to be talking about the news from the last uh, part of July. Uh, the end of July saw San Diego Comic-Con uh, come, with, and Marvel announced a ton, a ton of things at San Diego Comic-Con. So this is going to be your SDCC uh, Marvel news dump. Uh, we're not going to like take a dump, but it's like the dump of news. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am just on fire with the with the nah, fuck it. All right, so what we're gonna uh, <laughs> first things first, um, kicking off San Diego news. Uh, Jonathan Hickman and Sabolski at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel announced what the X Men line will look like under under Hickman's reign, following House of X and Powers of Ten, finishing up their weekly series runs in October. So there will be six books that debut debut as part of this first wave of X-Men titles. And they are an adjectiveless X-Men, just a book called X-Men written by Hickman and illustrated by Linnell Yu. This is going to be the flagship title of the line. It's going to debut in October and feature all of the X-Men is what Hickman has said. Quite literally all of them. The cover for this first issue features the extended uh, summer's gray family. Um, next up we have Excalibur. Written by Teeny Howard with art by Marcus Toe. Also out in October, this is going to be a book about mutant magic, is what Teeny Howard has said. And it's going to feature a team of Richter, Jubilee, Rogue, Gambit, Gambit uh, Betsy Braddock, who was formerly known as Psylocke and will now be going by Captain Britain. And then also the villain Apocalypse will be on the team. 
Next, we have a title called Marauders, which is typically a villainous group in the X-Men world, and they've never had a book titled Marauders before. This obviously doesn't seem like it's going to be a team of villains, but it's going to be written by Jerry Duggan and illustrated by Matteo Lolly. It'll feature a team of Pyro, Iceman, Storm, Bishop, Emma Frost, Kitty Pride and Lockheed. And it's going to be, it's been touted as sort of this like weird pirate adventure thing where this group led by Captain Kate Pride are going to be, you know, roaring the seas doing piratey things, which just sounds dope and weird and cool. Um, next up we have X-Force. So those three books are debuting in October. The next three will debut in November with X-Force, uh, which has been described as sort of the CIA of the mutant world. Written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Joshua Kassara. It's a team of Wolverine, Jean Grey, going by Marvel Girl again, Domino, Beast, Kid Omega, Sage, Colossus, and Black Tom. Half the team is sort of the field unit. Half the team is sort of the like behind the desk info unit or whatever. Um, next up is a book called Fallen Angels, which is a name of a uh, X-Men related miniseries from the 1980s. Um, this book is be written by Brian Hill, illustrated by Simon Kadransky, and feature three characters, uh, X-23, Laura Kinney, uh, Kid Cable, the Cable from Extermination, and the most recent X-Force run, and then Psylocke. So Psylocke, not um, Betsy Braddock, but is it Quanin? Is that how you say? I, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because at some point in the 80s or whatever, Betsy and Quanin merged, and they were in the same body and yeah. stuff. And, and now, now they're, they're separate, yeah. Um, so Quanin's going to be figuring out her life, and that's kind of what Fallen Angels has, has debuted as. Finally, last book is a New Mutants book written by Ed Brisson and, and Hickman. They're going to be co-writing this first arc, which Hickman has said will set up things for years to come, depending on how long the status quo sort of exists. It seems like it's going to set up things for the near for the far future, and it'll feature uh, an art an art by Rod Rice, and it'll feature sort of the I think typical New Mutants team, although I don't know a ton about the X Men really. Uh, but it's going to feature Magic, Sunspot, Cipher, Mirage, Karma, Wolfsbane, Chamber, and Mondo, and also Wolfsbane and Chamber are newly resurrected for this book because they most mm-hmm. recently died in Matt, Matthew Rosenberg's Uncanny X Men. Um, So those are the six books. They also announced at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel that there's definitely a wave two in the works, which we knew about, but that Leia Williams and Vita Ayala would have books in wave two. They would be writing books in wave two. Um, So that's a lot of content. Jess, what are your thoughts about the Dawn of X, as it has been dubbed? Um, I'm going to catch my breath. (laughs) Um, I think that most of them look pretty good. Um, um, I think of like those th- those books. The the ones I'm most excited for is is X Men. Um, we'll we'll talk about it, but like I really love the first two issues we got, uh, House of X and and uh, Powers of Ten. Those are really good. So, um, the Hickman book I'll definitely read. Um, I think Excalibur is going to be really good too, especially since it's going to be mutants doing actual magic and not like what magic does, because her name's mm-hmm. kind of not it she doesn't do actual magic so um it'll be interesting to see how that changes things for mutants and then since i really liked what he did on green arrow i'm going to read x-force um and i and it's it's also because of the characters that are in there like i 
love Jean Grey and I love um, Kid Omega. So them being on a team together is totally my jam. Um, New Mutants, I'm not too... uh, New Mutants is so similar, it seems, to the original book that it's like, it's going to have to kind of win me over as something that's worth me spending the money on. And then um, Fallen Angels is a little bit weird because that book uh, in the 80s was mostly about like a really young group of kids and not like these established characters that the new one's about. Um, So I don't know. And Marauders is kind of iffy for me. Um, the plot sounds really good, but I'm not a huge Jerry Duggan fan, so we'll see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like almost, almost exactly like what, kind of like what I was going to say. Like the three books that I am definitely the most excited for are, are X-Men, uh, Excalibur and X-Force. And a lot really for the reasons that you said, like I loved House of X and Powers of 10, which we'll talk about. Um, and I'm excited for the first issues of those books. And I'm super excited for the rest of what comes next. Um, and it just sounds like that book's going to continue sort of the like bigness of House of X and Powers of 10, um, because it's going to feature all the X-Men. Uh, and if, it sounds like if you're going to read any of these, that's the one that read. Um, Excalibur. I love Teeny Howard and I love magic shit. Um, like, DC and Marvel's magic stuff both are like some of my like favorite worlds that they play in when they're done really well and really fun. Um, and X-Force, yeah, I loved Green Arrow. And I think Ben Percy's like a great choice for what sounds like it's going to be a more um, like grounded and secretive and all these sort of like intelligency weird pieces working in the background, especially too, because like his sort of thing that he likes writing about a lot is um, like digital stuff and like this like weird digital age thing that we're in and like how things can get hacked and um, just like how vulnerable like all of our lives are because of, of the internet, uh, which is like what his last novel was about. And like part of what his Nightwing stuff was about before that all got ricked Grayson. Um, But so yeah, I'm excited about that. New Mutants really seems like they're going for what Claremont and Bill Sinkovich did, especially bringing in an artist like Rod Rice, who's different from the other artists that um, were described in the rest, of, or like who were, are on the rest of these books. Because like Rice is definitely the most sort of like Sinkovichian artist of the five that have been announced here. I really like Brian Hill a lot. I'm not like a huge Kadransky person, but I'll definitely read a book with. Um, x23 in it because of tom taylor now and forever and i'm also not like a huge jerry duggan person but i think him being with mateo lolly who he's had that like long uh praised like deadpool run with might be cool and i had the thought um now having read house of x and powers of 10 like why do the mutants need pirates why do the x need pirates and then it's like, oh, yeah, if they need to, like, defend, like, Krakoa from stuff, then, like, maybe it makes sense that there needs to be a, like, Navy force for the mutants if they're going to have a nation or whatever. And I could really get behind that. And I think, like, the way that these books were announced and just, like, the way that House of X and Powers of Ten have gone, I can't imagine that, uh, and, like, Hickman has kind of said, like, he got to handpick a lot of these people. Like, I can't imagine that any of these books are going to be bad and I'm totally going to read all of them. 
and I'm really excited about all of them. Um, I did like, I did think a little bit like it was funny, uh, like day of on that Saturday, like, um, Elias and I, Elias Rossner, who's a, a multiversity comics writer. Um, and I had been messaging about like our predictions of what we thought sort of like the line would be. And I didn't get any right other than Hickman writing X-Men. Um, but, but I think I had like Vita and like, um, I didn't have Leia Williams in there, but I kind of thought she might come up later. But like, I had like some of like Marvel's like newer, newer, newer folks and like some of like Hickman, uh, other artists that Hickman's worked in in the past, worked with in the past, like Dustin Weaver and um, mm-hmm. like Nick Dragata yeah. and, and those folks. And I think those folks will come in maybe some in the second wave. So I think like this is a cool, um, a cool first sort of first run. And I think it's only just going to get more fun as we like live more into the status quo. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, I'm about to talk for another long period of time. <sighs> okay, here we go. Uh, so Marvel studios at San Diego comic-con on Saturday night, um, unveiled the entirety of what will be phase four of the Marvel you know, Cinematic Universe. Um- to, yeah, we, I was gonna say to to save your your voice, we could just go one by one, since there's a lot here. Yeah, oh, shit, that, <laughs> that that makes so much more sense. You're you're a better person than I am. Okay, so um, so we'll go. Do you want to go in like the order of announcement? Yeah, the or order, of, the order? order of like how they announced it. So okay, okay, okay. So they started. So they started the panel off. Um, with uh, thanking people for all the Marvel Cinematic Universe success and shit, and like they announced that Avengers Endgame has now made more money than God in Avatar and James Cameron. So, woo! Um, uh, and then went on to uh, officially announce uh, the Eternals film, uh, which they described as going full Jack Kirby. Um, and this is like Jack Kirby's New Gods sort of version. So he went to Kirby went to DC for a while, did New Gods, got ran off from DC, came back to Marvel, created the Eternals, and they've kind of are kind of a concept that's been sort of on the outskirts of Marvel done, but they're getting a movie. Um, so it'll debut in theaters November 6, twenty twenty. It'll be directed by Chloe Zhao. She's the first female um, director in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. And it has a bonkers-ass cast. Um, Richard Madden is going to be Icarus. Don Lee is Gilgamesh. Angelina Jolie as Thena. Lauren Rid- Ridloff as Makari. Salma Hayek as Ajak. Ku- I can't say his name. Kumal. Um, Nanjani. You- Nanjani. Yes. As Kingo. Liam McHugh as Sprite. And Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos. So, Jess. What? Um... I am kind of obsessed with that cast. Like, yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with that cast. You got Paperboy yeah. <laughs> from Atlanta, okay? Atlanta's a great show, so I recommend it to anybody. Then you've got my wife, Salma Hayek, in it. Like, hello. <laughs> it's my wife. Yeah. Um, so My wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm super into that cast. I don't know a damn thing about the Eternals, but I don't either. <laughs> and Angelina Jolie are in that movie. And so I'm there opening weekend. I'm there. Yeah. 
That's that's interesting because like you you've been a lot more ambivalent about like the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Movies, that cast so. is really good though. There's that's such a good cast. Like if that were any other movie, I'd go see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody made the point. I don't know where I saw this on Twitter. Probably multiple people have said it. They're like now that Marvel Studios, like now that Kevin Feige, like officially sort of like reports to. Um, Bob Iger, like the Disney CEO, rather than like Ike Pomerter, who's like the Marvel CEO and like a, a racist, like Trump supporter person, that like, um, like actual like gave like millions of dollars to Trump sort of support. Um, that like they can do a lot more movies like Eternals and like have casts like the Eternals cast rather than like the like all straight white dude cast that they like had for the last few movies. And I don't know if that it's true or not, but it is like interesting to think about that. Like we have all this freedom now for the, there's a lot more freedom now for the next decade of, of Marvel cinematic universe movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this cast is dope. Uh, and this is the weirdest of all the movies. And I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Um, cool. So next up, they officially also, uh, not well they'd already announced it they unveiled the logo for the falcon and the winter soldier um disney plus show and said that it would debut fall 2020 is when the show will debut and that daniel brill would be back as uh baron zemo in the film reprising his role from captain america's civil war uh so i want to ask first not what you think about this show but what do you think about um the Disney plus shows officially being a part of like phase four, like a being a, like integral parts of phase four and a part of like the announcements. And stuff. Um, Cause we'll talk about that a little bit more. I, know, I think it's pretty good. Um, I, I think like, unless the, if they can avoid doing what the Netflix shows did, which was drag on too long and kind of do what, like tell their one story over those episodes, then it's good. I think it'll be kind of fun to spend some time with these movie versions um, that we don't get to, the time we don't get to spend with them in the movie. So, um, yeah, I think it's good. Um, as far as, like, this specific show, I, I, I'm not a big, I, I, I'm not, like, a Bucky stan, like, a lot of, uh, like, there's a very vocal fan base for Bucky, um, on, online. I am not a part of that, and, um, I don't know, I just, I don't, I'm not too, um, enthusiastic about that one I'm, i might check out the if i if i get disney plus i might check out like the first couple episodes to see what happens but I, I don't have any strong feelings about that yeah yeah i think well so i think it's so i think it's interesting that like the shows are going to be a more integral part of 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 phase four and i think we kind of knew that but it was it was like interesting to have all that confirmed um and it's interesting that like to keep like to effectively to keep up with this entire franchise that's now a decade old, you'll have to get Disney Plus and like pay for Disney Plus monthly to like watch these shows. Um, and like you know, like when we talk about WandaVision, like they talked in a second, like WandaVision is going to lead into like Doctor Strange, and so like for the people that are um, like super super invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like they're going to have to get Disney Plus. And I'm not that some of them already wouldn't already would have or wouldn't have and our may or may not be excited about it but it's just like i don't know it's like another thing to be paying for and i did i sort of like looked um thinking about this because phase so the entirety of phase four is two years uh it's it's 
2020 and 2021. And we'll talk, I mean, I'll get to the rest of the, we'll get to the rest of the announcements in a second. But what we're getting in 2020 is, um, is two movies in one show. So that's like, we've been getting three movies a year thus far. And the show is probably gonna be like, like six, six to eight hours of content. So that seems right. That seems okay. 2021, we're getting three movies and four shows. Um, which is just, it just seems like, like a, a super, super amount of like Marvel Cinematic Universe, like content, like that's like hours, that's like double or triple, like time-wise, the amount of like content that Marvel has put out in the last few years of their movies. Um, and I just think it's a lot. I just think it's interesting that like, we had this phase that ended and now we're just going to like double down, double down. Um yeah, it's, it is a lot in 2021, especially. But I think it's a little bit more manageable to watch a TV show at home than it is to, like, rush to the movie theater. Yeah. So, I don't know. At least it is for me, especially next year. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. No, I think that's fair. I think that's... And that's a, that's, a, that's a good point, too. I hadn't thought about that, of, like, instead of having to, like, rush to the theater in order to, like, not be spoiled on Twitter. So you got to go night of. You just, like, fire up Netflix or Disney+. Plus. Um you know, like day of and like watch a couple episodes and that's like maybe more manageable content wise, but it's it just like, it seems like so much content. Um, and like knowing, knowing me and like knowing that I am doing this podcast, like I'll have to keep up with all the things. Um, and I'm not like overly excited about how, like being forced to watch all the shows. I'm okay going to the movies, I guess like that's an afternoon, but watching something seems like a like watching like an eight hour eight episode whatever ten episode show or whatever like seems like a commitment um and like i'm not super committed to the marvel cinematic universe in the way that a lot of people are so Mm -hmm. i don't know um okay so next up next film coming out february 12th 2021 is shang chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings uh, will star Simu, Simu Liu as Shang-Chi. And, like, his whole arc of, like, tweeting at Marvel about this thing and then, like, screen testing and then yada yada, all that stuff. Not that, like, that's how it happened. Not that, like, he got the role because he tweeted at Marvel Studios and said, hire me. But it was really funny and, like, really cute. And it's cool. It's cool for him. This is the first... Um, Asian American lead Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And I think the probably the first like Asian led superhero film that's probably existed. Um, Tony, Tony Lung has been cast as the Mandarin, like the real Mandarin, not like the fake Mandarin from Iron Man three. And then Aquafina will also be a part of the cast in a role. Um, so Jess, Shang-Chi thoughts. Um, my only real thought is, they did the bare minimum and actually cast an Asian lead. Yeah. So I guess good job. They didn't cast Scarlett Johansson as Shang-Chi. No, they didn't, but we'll talk about Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I do think that's true. And they, they cast, um, because a lot of people were mad when Dr. Strange came out because they didn't do that. And they didn't cast, um, an Asian American lead as, as like the ancient one even though they did Tull Swanson. Um, 
but yeah, like this seems like it's going to be like an all or mostly Asian cast. And it's it, like it, even though like Shang-Chi, like historically as a character has like been kind of like exploitative and stereotypical of um, like, like Chinese um, uh, uh, like hero stuff. Like this um, looks like Marvel's really trying to like be like, like right and like get this right and like not do that not be like half ass or or this that, and the other like like make this like the Asian American version of Black Panther which is good, um, so good on good on them they we'll see what what happens. Um, all right, also coming out in spring of twenty twenty one are two Disney Plus shows. We have the WandaVision show, um, which will be Wanda and the Vision, and also will star. Um, tiana paris as a grown-up monica rambo there's a child monica rambo that appeared in captain marvel this is a grown-up version of monica rambo and then loki uh is the other spring 2021 show and it'll star the loki um alternate timeline loki from avengers endgame um with tom hiddleston coming back on so these two shows any thoughts or just a handful of thoughts or um not many thoughts or I'm weird, Whatever. and I actually like the uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision relationship, so I'm going to watch that one. Um, Loki, I don't know, because Loki's another one where I'm like afraid to get super into anything with him as Loki, because the fandom is so crazy. It's like Winter Soldier, it's like, okay guys, it's a lot, so I don't know. Um, but WandaVision, I'll definitely watch. Um, Loki is kind of up in the air, I don't know. It's it's, yeah. it's like with Loki, I kind of need to know like a little bit more. Like I'd like a trailer of that to kind of see and get a feel for what the show's trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. But WandaVision, I'll, I'll I'll watch only because uh, we'll I mean we'll get to it. Doctor Strange. Um, I like what was mentioned about her as far as the Doctor Strange announcement. Um, so I'll I'll watch WandaVision. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think I'm 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 about I'm about there with you. I think it I think the WandaVision or the Scarlet Witch Vision relationship is like funky and weird. And it also I think this show has the possibility and a lot of people have been saying this, like setting up um like a uh like has the possibility of setting up like young Avengers stuff for phase five, which yeah. would be really cool. Um like between this and Cassie appearing in Endgame and the Hawkeye show, which we'll talk about in a second. Get some strong Young Avengers vibes. Um, as for the Loki series, it'll be interesting because like Loki died in Infinity War, so this is like the Loki that got set up in Avengers Endgame. Um, so I think if it's sort of like weird multiverse hopping Loki, um, almost like kind of like Marvel's Marvel cinematic universe, like Dr. Who or something, I would be like more kind of okay with that than something that's um, less, less out there or whatever. Like I want them to like take a lot of risks with that show. And you're right. Like the, the Tom Hiddleston fan club is wild on the internet. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, like you just said, next up is Dr. Strange, May 7th, 2021. That, that Marvel Studios first weekend in May um, mainstay 
Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It will star Benedict Cumberbatch back. And Elizabeth Olsen will also be Scarlet Witch in this movie. And WandaVision will lead into it in some way. And uh, it has been, been billed as the first true horror movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the villain will be Night Nightmare. Um, so Jess, you talked a little bit about this a second ago. But what do you think about Doctor Strange? First off, I don't like being promised things that I know they can't deliver, and they are not going to give us an actual horror movie. They're going to give us a couple of scary images um, that will still please younger viewers. Okay, it's not now. If they come out and say Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is rated R, then we've got something. Um, yeah, uh, but that's not going to happen. Um, but I am uh, interested in. I've always liked the character Scarlet Witch, like not necessarily in the movies, but in the comics. And I really like that. The only reason I want to see this is because if she's going to really start harnessing her powers fully and start learning magic um, on top of her already, her, her reality warping abilities, I find that really interesting. And I find that the timing of that is very interesting given that they now do have the ability to bring in the X-Men um, because that makes me wonder if like they're somehow leading into like maybe doing a how their own version of like house of M at some point. I don't know, but her, Ooh. yeah, but her starting to get into the more her to really start to understand her powers and get into it is, is interesting to me. So I I'm, I'm going to see that movie. And then also, so I can be upset that it isn't a horror movie. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. There is one that is going to be a horror movie. We'll get to it, but yeah, not going to we'll be Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it That's is, I, really I'll be glad to be proven wrong. That'll be great. I would be happy yeah. to be proven wrong. Yeah, maybe we'll get two horror movies. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be cool. That is a that is a really interesting thought. Uh, what you said just now about this possibly being sort of like a House of M type thing. Where, and I could see it being like, instead of no more mutants, it'll be something like Wanda's responsible for like making mutants be a thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, which, especially, and especially too, like if the title of this is like multiverse of something, because um, that's a thing that we haven't, the Marvel Cinematic Universe hasn't touched on at all um, yet. So that would be really cool. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. I'm excited like that she's going to be in it because I didn't love the first Doctor Strange movies. Like no, I'm excited that she's clearly going in a direction that is different than just the generic magic Iron Man that that movie was. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So next up, this is actually the one that I'm the most excited about. I think uh, summer of 2021, uh, we're getting an animated what if series, which will debut on Disney plus It'll feature almost all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe actors and actresses who will come back to voice their characters. And the show will also star um, Jeffrey Wright as the voice of The Watcher. Um, so it'll be like a show that a uh, bunch of like what if stories set in this universe. I think the first one, like Haley Atwell's coming back and it's like, what if Peggy was Captain America? Mm -hmm. And like, that's dope. That's freaking awesome. And I love it. Uh and I'm excited about that just because it, like, I love dumb, dumb one-off stories like that. That sort of like our alternate takes and things. And it's animated. Yeah, and I think that. Could be cool. Yeah, I think that'll be a fun show. I, I don't have a strong opinion on it one way or the other, but I do adore Jeffrey Wright. So. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah. Um. 
It's the last Disney Plus show, fall of 2021. We're getting a Hawkeye series, which will star Jeremy Renner back as Hawkeye. And then also it's been confirmed that Kate Bishop will be in the show. Um, and it's going to be, I think, something along the lines of Clint training Kate or whatever. Um, so, just Hawkeye Hawkeye thoughts. I My only thought on this is, honestly, if it's not based off the Matt Fraction run, then I'm not interested. I, I'm just not yeah. interested in Hawkeye. And I think the Matt Fraction, David Aha um, series is the most interesting thing that's ever been done with him. So if it's not that, then I'm not interested. Not even Kate Bishop can save. I'm, I like Kate Bishop, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think of all of the the series, like this might be the one that I'm this and the Falcon Winter Soldier one might be the ones that I'm the least excited about. For like that reason. Um, just because like uh like Clint has been the least sort of in Clint and, and Black Widow have been like the least in, important and exciting characters in this universe for ten years and I don't know that I need to spend ten hours watching it. It could be like the Iron Fist of the Netflix shows and that would that would be unfortunate. God, um, I watched that show. I watched <laughs> seasons of that show. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so much time that you're never going to get it back. Never going to get it back. Okay. And last but not least, the first of the Marvel Cinematic Universe franchises to get a fourth film. Thor will be getting a fourth movie called Thor love and thunder, which will hit theaters November 5th, 2021 to close out phase four. Uh, Thor Ragnarok director, uh, Taika Waititi is returning to direct the film. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson are on board. Uh, Tessa Thompson, um, who at the end of Avengers Endgame, spoiler alert is gets dubbed the leader of as like the leader of Asgard, the queen. And so she said in hall H that, she, that the movie Part of the movie will be about her trying to find her queen, thus confirming that that Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie in the MCU is queer, which is fun. People went nuts over that, and it's exciting. Um, and then also the biggest thing about this film is that Natalie Portman is coming back, um, which is surprising because she's like said publicly that she hated being in the first two Thor movies, but she's coming back and she's gonna be the uh, the uh, the Thor the Thor like like Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman made Jane Foster Thor in their um, Thor run and their mighty Thor run. So it's taking inspiration of that and Jane Foster will will Milnor and be Thor in this new movie, which is fun. Um, so Jess, Thor Love and Thunder thoughts. God, I love Ragnarok so much and like it's gonna <laughs> be like gayer and I'm so excited. Like if they need Tessa Thompson to get a queen, I am available. I'm just saying yeah. I have a husband but I also have room for a wife. So yeah. I think I can make that work. <laughs> I think I can somehow make that work. Um, yeah. Um, also, like, they must have offered Natalie Portman so much money. Like, it must yeah. have been an yeah. insane amount of money where she couldn't say no. Or she really, really wanted to do, like, an actual action movie. I can't think mm-hmm. of her in a Star Wars to me doesn't really count because she doesn't do all that much aside from um she she's in the the big action ending of uh Attack of the Clones I want to say 
Like she's oh, part yeah, of she it is, in that, yeah. that white suit. Like she's a part of it. But like other than that, she doesn't do like that much kind of fun action stuff. And maybe she like was like, I get to be Thor. Like, do you really turn down being Thor? I know I wouldn't. Yeah. So um yeah, I I I love I kinda love it. I I mean I love Natalie Portman. She's one of my favorite actresses. Um I don't know. It's gonna be weird kind of seeing her do like a part like this. Um but I'm excited for it. I of all of all the, the movies that we're getting, um even though I'm excited about the last one they announced, the the little the, the nice surprise at the end, um, this is the one I'm most excited for. I'm really excited for yeah. Thunder. Yeah, 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 yeah. I so there were like a bunch of pictures that were taken from Hall H of like Natalie Portman holding Milnar on the stage, and I just like saw all of them. I'm like, I can't tell if she's like really happy right now or if she's just like grimacing because she was like contractually obligated to come back for another movie and like has to do this. See, that's the other thing. Uh, I do wonder if there was like a thing in her contract where she had to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which would be unfortunate, but like if she's going to come back and like be a part of this like franchise in a way that doesn't just like reduce her to Chris Hemsworth's love interest, like this is like clearly the best way to do it. And like, I, I mean, I would love to see Natalie Portman run around as, as, as Jane Foster as Thor. Um, like that just seems really, really dope. And I've loved, I mean, I've loved Aaron's run. That's, it's it's wonderful. Um, I wasn't like the biggest Ragnarok fan. And I think I've said that on this podcast, like I'm in the, I guess in the minority of people that like kind of hated the movie a little bit. Um, but that being said, making Ragnarok, but like, much gayer sounds great because like there was a lot of camp in that movie and like a lot of like like subtext but nothing like like very like explicit and obvious and i think if they just like lean into like all the queer stuff no and and, and, and the like, thing make... the thing not to get like too far off topic but like with thor ragnarok people not liking it is completely understandable because it's not really a thor movie it, it's yeah. It's just like the character from comics to film is so different. Not to say that it, that Thor is humorless, but like that movie is very much not what you get when you read a Thor comic. Um, mm-hmm. So I totally get why people don't like it. I totally get it. Because um, like I'm not a big fan of the Guardi- Guardians of the Galaxy movies because I think they're kind of annoying. Um, so when yeah. people say they don't like Ragnarok, I get it because I feel like it's kind of the similar issues i have with guardians of the galaxy um but i don't know like that movie just was so charming to me like it just i don't know and like this is and and, like my whole idea in my head is that valkyrie and jane just like run off into the sunset together and just leave thor somewhere in asgard by himself at a bar yeah 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 let valkyrie and jane be girlfriends that's fine or or like let brie larson be in the movie and make Valkyrie and Captain Marvel girl. There we go. They can all be girlfriends together. What's they can all be girlfriends What's together. You're right. It, you know. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's really the best best of all possible worlds. Um yeah, I yeah, I think that I think that you're right. Like this it's fun that they're doing this. Like of all the things this and the last thing that we'll talk about of all the things that I thought were gonna be announced at phase four, we're not we're not in the realm of possibility 
but here we are and that's fun um okay so the last movie that they talked about which will actually be the first movie of phase four um and then that's all of phase four is black widow may 1st 2020 scarlett johansson in the starring role finally film a look into the past because spoiler alert again scar joe dies in endgame um and this actually takes place, which is not where I thought that this movie was going to take place, like chronologically. This takes place right after Captain America: Civil War. Um, I think that there's some mention. They talked about this in Hall H, and I haven't watched Civil War in a while, but I think there's some mention at the beginning of the movie when they're chasing crossbones about some kind of like Budapest mission or something. And this is set to show that event or whatever. Uh, David Harbor is set to play a character named Alexi, which I. Th- think has been confirmed as some other character from the comics or whatever. Uh, Florence Pugh is Yelena Bolava, Bolava and um, Taskmaster is going to be the villain. Although I don't know that they've cast Taskmaster, but I need to look that up real quick. So, Jess, you said you had Black Widow thoughts, so... I cannot stand Scarlett Johansson, and I've never... I feel so vindicated because I've never liked her so, <clears throat> especially as Black Widow, I think she's, like, watching a cardboard box. Like, there's nothing interesting about how she plays uh, Black Widow. And maybe that's not entirely her fault. But I just cannot believe we're going to get a Black Widow movie after all this time. I'm just, I'm tired. I just, you've got Rachel Weisz in that movie who's going to just kill it completely. And I'm not going to see it. And then you're going to also have my beautiful Stranger Things boyfriend, David Harbour, and I can't go see it because I can't stand watching Scarlett Johansson anymore. They could have just casted her to play Tree, you know, so she can play any role, according to her. (coughs) Yeah, very uninterested in in, in Black Widow. (coughs) So uninterested. So, so, so beyond uninterested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that... I think that I'm about there too. I think it's wild that they're making this movie all these years after later. they killed her off and ended. Like all these years yeah. later, you had your chance years ago. You didn't do it. So yeah. why? Sh- I don't care now. I'm yeah. so uninterested. Yeah. This would have made a lot more sense. Um, like right around the time of civil war or age of Ultron, all that stuff. Like instead of Dr. Strange, they could have done black widow or something. Um, I don't know. It, yeah, it's wild that we're getting this prequel because this is going to be the last thing that she's going to be in. Bye. I would guess. <laughs> um, I do want to correct myself. A minute ago, I said that uh, Chloe Zhao, who's directing Eternals, is the first Marvel Cinematic Universe female director. It's actually Kate Shortland who's directing Black Widow. Um, and then David Harbour is going to be a character named Red Guardian, um, who is Alexi. They haven't announced who's playing Taskmaster, but I thought that they had. Um, yeah, of all the movie announcements, this is the one that I'm the least excited for, and I don't really know why it needs to be made at this point. Other than maybe to fulfill ScarJo's, like, contract or something. So. Um, okay, so last but not least, so the, that's Phase 4. Those movies, those shows. Uh, they talked a little bit about Phase 5 and announced that there's a Blade film in the works with uh, Maher, Shala, Maher Sha'ala Ali as Blade, which is just freaking wild so good. and perfect. 
Um, and then other Phase 5 movies that Kevin Feige talked about at the last minute, basically kind of saying, like, oh, I didn't even get to talk about Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And he also hinted at a Fantastic Four movie being in the works, and he said something about mutants. Um, so, of all of those sort of teasers of what is coming in 2022 and beyond, Jess, what do you think about all of those things? Other than clearly you're excited Love about Love Blade. Blade, can't wait for that. That's going to be a horror movie. And if it's not, then they drop the ball so bad. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the sequels we all knew were coming. Um, it's good, I guess, that they're waiting on the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Um, kind of, because I, I th- the, the X-Men especially, it's, it's going to be an Avengers situation where it's not going to be like, they're not really characters that you put in solo movies right off the bat. <clears throat> um, they're, definitely, they're definitely a team type thing. So it's going to be good that they're sort of going to introduce them a little bit later um but none of that last minute stuff aside from blade was really surprising i guess they're saving a lot of that for d23 um which makes sense oh yeah um but yeah i i'm mostly just excited about blade i think that's gonna be great i really do um we have some perfectly good blade movies already but um i i really do think this one's gonna be amazing yeah yeah i completely agree I was um, I was thinking about it because like when they announced Phase Three, um, back in whatever year that was, like 2015, I think, um, they announced like the next four years of films because it was like kind of started with Ant Man and Civil War and then went up to what was then an Inhumans movie that never got made, um, but turned into like Spider Man being a thing, and they added and tweaked that timeline from when they announced it. Um, but that was what they announced, and they only like they announced Phase Four here, and Phase Four is a lot of a lot of films and a lot of shows, but it's only like a two year period. And so I am wondering if when we get to D twenty three, if we're going to get okay, we, we gave you Phase Four. Here's also Phase Five. Here's what through like twenty twenty five looks like, or whatever, which would be wild. And I don't know that they have to tip their hand yet, but the fact that I think that that they revealed that we're getting a Blade film with Ali. I think means that we might get some of those dates and some details coming up, which would be cool. Um, I am super excited about, about a blade film and the fantastic four and mutant stuff. I'm like mixed about because I'm still mixed about the Disney Fox merger or whatever, but we knew it was going to happen. So it's happening. Yep. And I think, I think you're right. Like, you can't introduce the X-Men in solo films. Like you have to do something like the Eternals where you're going to introduce all the, and Guardians of the, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy where you introduce all these characters all at the same time. And they need a few years to do that, probably. Cool. Well, overall then, Phase 4 and Partial Phase 5, are you excited, not excited, ambivalent? Um- what do you think? It's it's mixed, you know, you kind of have to go through each thing on its own like we did and I mean, it's it's definitely I guess more of more risk taking I guess than than previous stuff, so that's good. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Um Yeah, and I think I was kind of ready for things to be done after Endgame. 
and Far From Home. And now there's like some exciting things happening and some other like, uh, I have to get Disney Plus things. Um, but I'm going to watch all this stuff and it's just going to be what it's going to be. And it's going to be, some of it's going to be great and some of it's going to be fun. And it'll be fun. We'll have a lot, I'll have a lot to do for the next two years. So, okay. All right. So Marvel announced a handful of books at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, we'll talk about those one at a time again. I'm going to go through each one, one at a time. And, and, and just, we'll just do one word answers for each of us. Excited, excited, ambivalent or not excited. Um, so the first one is a Ghost Rider ongoing book written by Ed Brisson, illustrated by Aaron Cooter. Uh, it's going to have um, Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch back as Ghost Riders. Excited, ambivalent, or not excited? Not excited. Not excited. Okay. That's no. about where I am, too. All right. Uh, yeah. No. No. Um, it's weird that, that we're getting a Ghost Rider book with Johnny Blaze when the other Ghost Rider whose name suddenly escapes me, the cool ghost writer, the young one, um, uh, is in the Avengers. Um, Ray, yeah, Robbie Ray, yeah. Yeah. He's in Avengers right now. He should have a ghost writer book. So, I don't know. Okay. Next up, we're getting a Doctor Doom ongoing book written by Christopher Cantrell, illustrated by Salvador La Roca. Uh, Excited, not excited, in the Very excited. Halt and Catch Fire is one of my favorite shows ever. And Cantrell uh, actually was the creator of that show. So, yeah, I'm excited. He's 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 a good writer. I'm, I'm excited for that. Nice, nice. Uh, I think I'm ambivalent on this one. Um, uh, La Roca is not my, one of my faves, especially not, like, of late. LaRocca, um, but Cantrell's like interesting. I haven't read, I haven't seen Halt and Catch Fire, but I, I've heard a lot of good things about it and I need to watch it. And um, I haven't read She Could Fly, which I think was the comic. That, that is he was a doing. weird ass comic. Like, I don't even know how I feel <laughs> about it because it is weird, but it, it's, it's not a bad comic. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but Doom's cool and, and I could get on board with this. So we'll see. Um, all right, next up, The Amazing Mary Jane, uh, written by Leigh Williams, illustrated by Carlos Gomez. It was announced, Marvel announced it as an ongoing. Leigh Williams said it was a five-issue mini. Who's to say? Um, but, Jess, excited, not excited, ambivalent. Um, ambivalent. If enough people say it's good, I might read it in trade. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, about the same. It's spinning out of Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man stuff, which I'm still a little bit behind on, but yeah, I like Lily Williams, so ambivalent. Um, okay, uh, we're getting a Spider-Verse miniseries, um, six issues, written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Juan Fergari, Arthur Adams, Stuart Monin, who I guess is like not really retired, um, and Stacy Lee, and it's sort of like a spiritual in this in the veins of the movie Into the Spider-Verse. Um, so, Jess. Where are you at on this one? Um, ambivalent. Same with the Mary Jane book. If if it's enough people say it's good, then I'll check it out. But I'm not running out the door to get it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a book that I would like to read like all at once and not like as it was as it's coming out. I guess because I like the art. The artist attached to it, McKay's all right ish. Um, 
but and it seems like sort of an extraneous book that's like going to star Miles and other Spidey people of the multiverse. Um, but it does, it's like not like quote unquote, like a book that counts, which is like a, a horrible way of putting things. And I hate that I'm, I'm doing that, but it is something that seems interesting and will look pretty. And I would want to read it eventually. So, okay. Uh, last up, we have two teasers. The first one is a Annihilation sequel teaser. Uh, the image was by Ariel Olivetti. Um, and Donny Cates has been doing all of the, the Marvel space stuff. And he had tweeted something when the, the teaser had come out also. So kind of sort of not confirming, but implying that Cates is writing an Annihilation sequel. That's where Guardians of the Galaxy is going. So Jess, um, excited, not excited, ambivalent. Um, not excited. Not not very interested in that. Okay. Did you have you did you read any of that like mid aughts Dan Abbott, Andy Lanning, uh, no. cosmic stuff? No. None of it. No, and I haven't really been keeping up with any of the stuff Kate's is doing either, so Sure. Okay. Um I think I think I'm ambivalent. Uh we'll talk about Absolute Carnage probably this month. Um uh in our next episode um i like what donny kate's is doing in guardians of the galaxy and i've liked it so far because it's like been pretty contained and it's like been telling like a big story but it's been followable in one title as if like that's like the only sort of space book that sort of matters and could matter and i don't really i don't really need like another donny kate's event even though i like donny kate's um and I don't need another Marvel event. Uh, and really, I don't need a lot of any other Marvel things because the X-Men are back. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. So uh, we'll wait and see. We'll see what exactly it is going to be. Uh, last but not least, um, teased for November 2019 is a relaunch of the 2099 comics. Um, so the teaser had something along the lines of it's been 80 years since 1939 when the Marvel Universe began. And it's 80 years from 2019 to 2099, which uh, makes it, I guess, sort of thematically appropriate for Marvel's 80th anniversary to relaunch this stuff. Uh, the teaser also uh, was attached to Nick Spencer, Nick Spencer writing some 2099 stuff. And in fact, in the last issue of Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 25, um, uh, Miguel O'Hara was in um, that issue briefly at the end. Uh, sorry if that r- ruined that for anybody, but that's what I got. So it seems like it would lead out of uh, Spencer's current run. So Jess, where are you at on twenty? Hard pass. I don't read anything by Nick Spencer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think I'm. I'm not. Not super interested. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Whew, that was a lot of content. Um, a lot of news things. Uh, a lot of San Diego stuff. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Vince will be with us and we'll talk about House of X and Powers of 10 number one. So we'll see you then. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3 cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. 
We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, bad to end the Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and we're back for the second part of the episode we're going to be talking about probably the two biggest issues in comicdom right now house of x and powers of 10 from jonathan hickman from artists pepe laraz rb silva colorist marty gracia and letter clayton cows and then designer tom muller uh this is the beginning of the hickman era of x-men things and to kick off this uh, special segment of the special episode, special segment, whatever the, ah, fuck it, of Make My Multiversity. We're joined by Vince Ostrowski of the DC3 cast. Vince, how you doing today? Hi, I'm actually not supposed to be here. Um, the DC3 guys don't know about this, so let's let's kind of keep it on the down low maybe, you know? I'm going to put y'all on blast because you, <laughs> in a couple episodes ago, you said you would trade... Uh, y'all reviewing House of X for me reviewing uh, Murphy's Curse of the oh White Knight or whatever the hell. Um, and I w- never want to do that. So I'm going to make sure everybody knows. I'm, I'm sending I'm an sure. email I'm gonna, right I'll now. I'll tweet at the Joker's correction. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair Send enough. Yeah, that's right uh... this second. Hello, Brian and Zach. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought for sure you. you guys would take that deal, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like tempting for not even a second at all. Um, <laughs> and so y'all have I uh, y'all have, y'all's episode that was out this week. Y'all talked a little bit about this first episode of of House of X, and I think y'all said you're going to talk some more about um, the rest of of these books. So. Really, really, you're encroaching on on our space. So I think we have the right to kind of do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that that's fair. Cool. Um, well, for for both of you, so Vince, so so y'all on the DC Three Cast. For those of you who are listening and don't haven't been to multiversitycomics.com, I think that that's probably impossible at this point. But the DC Three Cast is there as our weekly uh, DC DC podcast. Y'all read all the DC books every, every week. Um, or so you say, uh, <laughs> uh, how much Marvel stuff do you kind of read on the regular? Or do you get into a lot of, of, of Marvel things on the record? Is it mostly cause there are a lot of books that both companies put out. So you're reading most of the DC things or yeah. How does all that work? Well, the, 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 the assignment is to read as much of the DC stuff as we can. And I, I, really try to give everything a chance uh, over there just so that if there's anything interesting, I can bring it up on the show um, with Marvel. I I'm constantly trying to dip back in and out uh, once in a while and nothing, very few things seem to stick. And I think, I mean, not that they're not publishing great books over at Marvel, but it's just that the, the DC three cast assignments then get in the way and I, I inevitably lose track of things. Like, like one book I was, I was enjoying was the new run on runaways and I, eventually, oh, yeah, yeah. I eventually got, I got like eight 
or 10 issues behind and I just said, fuck it. I'm going to cut. Oh, can I say that? Can I? I, I, yeah, can all the time, so for it. <laughs> I just can't, yeah. it just comes out, you know? Um, uh, I, I said, I'll pick that back up later, you know? So, so I, I try a lot of things as we speak. The only thing that I'm semi current, I'm sure I'm a couple issues behind on it, uh, is, um, the Hulk book. And, uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And now the, the X-Men stuff, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make a concerted effort to follow Hickman's, uh, X-Men week by week, because if I don't, I'm, you'll, you will never catch up. Like if you don't, <laughs> you know, they're so dense that, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, that, 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 that totally, that totally makes sense. I, and like, I don't know how y'all do it. Cause I, try to read some DC things that I just am like months and months behind on, on a bunch of books. And it's, it's ridiculous. And I'm glad that like this show is monthly. Cause I'm behind on a bunch of Marvel stuff too, that uh, like, I haven't read the last few issues of, of immortal Hulk at all. And mm. that book's great. Yeah. Um, well, insomnia helps. So that's, that's one that's thing. True, that's true. I will have to, uh, I'll have to, to work on that. Um, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, uh, get some you know get some start popping adderall or something and... well i don't read comics so you know that helps there you go yeah. that's right yeah, yeah. i don't that's even i don't even read comics really so i'm pointing at my head and i'm saying you can't get behind exactly. if you don't read see them, so. genius <laughs> can't lose if i don't play um <laughs> well i wanted to ask wanted to ask both y'all kind of before we before we get started so i uh, like this is really my first big foray into kind of the X-Men world. I haven't read a lot of older uh, X-Men comics. Uh, and I always like, I feel like that's kind of a, like a weird baggage thing. There are people constantly on like on the internet, on Twitter, like talking about like X-Men in the nineties and X-Men in the eighties and all this stuff that I just have no context for. So I'm curious what, uh, what both of your, I mean, and Jess, I know like we've talked a lot, like you have read like a ton of X, X-Men books, but like, what did the X-Men mean to you? like coming into this into this like re- reboot relaunch new world whole thing uh jess you want to go first um sure <clears throat> um i don't know if it's i think with like x-men they it, it kind of falls into the same category as me as like batman did because that was like my first real exposure to like comic books just because at the time i started getting into comic books that was like the the the, uh, the the movies from like the early two thousands were coming out, and when I was a kid, I was watching the uh, the cartoon on Fox, and like so, I just knew about the X Men. Like that was easy for me to to get into, just like Batman was because of the the uh, Keaton movies and um, Batman the animated series. So um, that's like how I got into X Men and why I still like the X Men so much because they they were my first they were one of my first real uh comic loves um so yeah i've read a lot of x-men um not everything uh but i've read a lot of it um i think the first stuff i started actually reading was uh was the the josh whedon stuff (laughs) um mostly because that's what my library had at the time and then i think right after that uh it was the morrison stuff and then i as, as I got a little older, I got into um, the Claremont run, which is like, to me, that that's the X-Men. Like, that that's it. So, yeah, I, I've read a lot. Um, not everything, because I, I think, like, right before the Claremont stuff, I, that's kind of a blind spot for me. But um, 
a lot of that doesn't really matter. Um, um, but yeah, that's, that's so, so I was really excited to get into this with like Hickman taking over because, um, he's kind of amazing, I guess. And he's kind of weird at the same time. So him doing X-Men is kind of perfect. So yeah. Yeah. Excited. Read a lot of X-Men. So there's a lot for him to live up to in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Vince, what what about you? So I, I have kind of an embarrassing, uh, X-Men comic book origin story. And, um, well, it begins. It begins with me being a huge nut for the animated series. Um, first and foremost, um, I always thought that I always thought that characters like like the Avengers characters, um, Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, were just incredibly boring to me. That they, they looked boring to me. Like, oh, this guy is wrapped in the American flag. That's even from a young age. I was like, that's kind of a boring. Uh, concept. Uh, the Hulk is just a green guy who gets mad. You know, like I, I had a very simplistic view of those things, which I, I don't, you know, those characters are all interesting to me as an adult for different reasons. But when I was a kid, I was like, the X-Men are all weird. They all look, they look weird. They dress weird. They're fr- they're d- diverse. Like I'm sure as a kid, I didn't understand that or know what that meant, but I liked that they all looked different. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It was it was appealing to me in that way, and but 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 there I'm talking about the cartoon. So when it came to actually uh, venturing into the world of comics, <laughs> my uh, my first oh I'm gonna forget the name of it now. What's that Grant Morrison arc where it's like um, it's like uh, oh it's it's a the first like new X-Men arc or not the first one. It's got like, it's got like tomorrow in the title. Is it like here comes tomorrow or something like that? Um, it was a, it was a Grant Morrison new X-Men arc. And I decided to pick up with it with buying the comics there. And yeah, here comes tomorrow, which was his last arc on the book. So mm-hmm. none of it made any sense. <laughs> As you can imagine, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was a more comic on top of that. So I'm sure like it definitely didn't make sense. Exactly. Exactly. It was like, it was like, what is this? This sucks, which I'm the biggest Morrison Mark. Not like, it's like today I will kiss Morrison's ass all day, you know? But when, when I was young and I was picking up that comic for the first time, I'm like, none of this makes any sense. These aren't the X-Men I know. And then <laughs> I would uh, later pick up, uh, the she lies with angels arc by Chuck Austin and Salvador LaRocca. And that I thought, Oh, now this, this is more like it. This is my ex. And you know, as I got older, I I would realize that Chuck Austin is like one of the most reviled comic book writers of his era. And, uh, is that the one that like she Hulk bones down with like juggernaut or whatever, or it's, it's the, I, I believe angel, has uh, relations with a human and they do it like in, in the sky, just like in the middle of like in front of her parents too, or something like that. Oh, Oh good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's very strange. It's very strange. But when I was a kid, I was like, Oh, this is is romantic. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, 
so there's there's my origin story for for x-men comics i i i had it all backwards Mm -hmm. but what about you kevin yeah i mean like i uh i like i watched not the 90s animated show the the uh i watched like x-men evolution i remember watching that oh i love that show that was so good. Because it, it came on, like, WB after, like, Batman the Animated Series and Justice League and stuff on Saturday morning. Yeah. So I'd watch it. Uh, and I I didn't, like, I, I knew about the live-action movies. And I think the first one that I saw in theaters and, like, kind of understood anything about was I watched X3. And I was like, this is not <laughs> a great movie. Um, and, it, and it took me a while <laughs> Like, when First Class came out, I didn't really watch it. And I didn't watch any, like, the Wolverine movies or whatever um, until much later. Uh, and so, like, the X-Men have, like, never been characters that I've I've been like, oh, I need to read these. And when I started getting into comics, uh, like, four or five years ago or whatever, the first run of the X-Men that I checked out, because I got into to Marvel with the all-new, all-different, was Jeff Lemire and Umberto Ramos's like, Extraordinary X-Men. I read the first arc up to like the first like event that they did and it wasn't wonderful and it didn't make a lot of sense and all the inhuman stuff was kind of weird and i didn't really and i didn't have any of the background because i hadn't read any of like hickman's avengers stuff at that point um so it's just kind of odd it's like and and at that point i was like oh i i i've done my fair share i don't have to do this again um but but i love like jonathan hickman um and when I started reading, like, image stuff, like, East and West mm. was one of the first, like, image books that I checked out. And it's it's great. Uh, I, bought, I bought and was loving, like, Black Monday Murders. Um, I went back and read on Marvel Unlimited, like, Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers. And then loved that so much that I felt like I'd... I've done that a couple times. Like, I've, I've read something digital and that I... Or, like, in trade, and I feel like I need to own the single issues. Like, I bought the single issues on eBay. Nice. Um, of that, which doesn't make any sense at all, other than like I feel like I need to have the thing. Um, and so I was really excited about this, and and turned off a little bit by the fact that all these issues are going to be like six bucks or whatever. But but I was like, but after reading these these first two issues, I'm like, I need to I need to read everything in this in this era, and I want I want to do that. And it, and it, and to the point too that there have been a couple times in the last couple of years that I've thought about going back and reading some old X-Men stuff. And I just feel like there's this kind of like, almost this like, like gatekeeper aspect of, of the X-Men of like all these people are trying to like hold on to sort of that, like you know, that like purity of comics or something from the eighties and nineties. And so like, there's so many people I see all the time on Twitter that like are just rereading those stories because they need to, because they love them. Um, I guess because of, of, of what they were like, the good things that they remind them like from their childhood and this, and this, that. and that's all fine. And Danny until it like becomes sort of obsessive <laughs> and, and weird. Uh, but, but I do want to go back and I think start reading some of the old, like some of the older stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm motivated to do that. Like this was really, really exciting. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Well, cool. Well, let's go ahead then. And dive dive right in with that. So we're talking about the first issues of both of them. So this is going to be 12, 12 weeks, 12 issues. Um, they're two different miniseries, both six issues apiece. So they're not all coming out House of X, Powers of Ten, House of X, Powers of Ten. So there's 
two weeks. So power, so powers of X two and three will come out back to back, and then House of X three and four will come out back to back, and then they'll go back to rotating. So there's some weird ish stuff going on there. But overall, what did you both think about these two issues together? What do you think of of, of the format, and and what do you think about having these two books together? So Vince, we'll we'll start with you, and I'm sure that this will. We'll, we'll spiral <laughs> yeah. all sorts of places. Um, well, for one thing, I, I prefer something like this uh, where they've got uh, two separate series with with separate art teams working on them than doing like the thing that DC sometimes does where they double ship something and they use an artist for like the first three issues and then it switches to a different artist because uh, that original artist couldn't get enough of the work done in time, understandably, you know? So I, I really enjoy when Marvel or DC allow themselves to plan something out in such a way that they, they make a concentrated effort to have a consistent uh, style for one book that that isn't going to be plagued by fill-ins that don't make any sense or that are like last minute type deals. So I think the structure here is really interesting and fascinating. Um, I think, you know, this is the sort of thing where the writer as well, maybe has to be somebody that you trust. Like maybe if it weren't Hickman, there might be, more problems with, with setting out to do something this ambitious, you know, but, uh, but considering the mark of quality that I, I think Hickman's books all generally have, I I think like that LA is a lot of my, my fears. Um, so, so as far as the format is concerned, I, I, I really dig it. I love that every week we're going to be talking about Hickman's X-Men, you know, whether it's on social media or on a podcast or whatever, there's there's going to be something new to talk about every week about this one story, whether it's coming from either book. I I, I think it's a great structure, uh, all things considered. Yeah, I do think like that aspect of it is has been really, really interesting to follow the last two weeks, because that's been yeah. my entire Internet experience the last couple of weeks. It's just it's just what the fuck is going on? in either of these books. And, and there've been so many like think pieces and theories and no, this, this thing is actually happening or like, or like, Oh, that's not really professor X or like, Oh, all of the people on Krakoa are, are, are clones are not really themselves or, or none of this is real or like Krakoa is like the real, I read one, it was from screen. I think that like Krakoa is like the real, enemy like Krakoa has turned the entire earth itself Ooh. into a mutant and the X-Men have like taken up um, house like you know made their home on Krakoa and like they're still fighting to protect the earth from like Krakoa itself because it's trying to kill all the like regular humans or something <laughs> which is like nuts and I don't know if that's what's happening but like cool um, so I do think that that part of it's really cool I also like the other the other half of that where people have sort of been like universally like praising this thing and already saying like, Oh, well like the Hickman era of X-Men is like wonderful and perfect. And like, Oh, it's the next best thing since Grant Morrison. 
and I'm not like there yet because it's only been two weeks and I think we need to like rein some of that in. And that's like the part of just like comic dumb and comic fandom sure. that just like explodes and loves seeing like the next yeah. thing of everything. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Jess, what, what about you? What do you think about having these two, these two series side by side and, and your, your overall thoughts about, about all of it? Um, I don't usually like weekly series because um, some most of the times they're pretty bad, but um, I like what they're doing with this. I like what he's doing because, um, uh, like Vince said, I, I like that it's two separate art teams. So it's like it does feel like two separate cohesive teams working together, um, but also separately. Um, so, you know, you're not going to get some huge delays because it's it's separate. Um, but I do like that they, they do work, um, together as one big story, but don't feel like they're pushing each other a little bit, or they don't feel like they're overlapping too much. Like what you get in house of X is very different from what you get in powers of 10, Mm -hmm. um, which I like. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting to do it. It's like, I don't remember a time where there wasn't like a ton of X-Men books running at one time. So the fact for like 12 weeks, it's just these two. I really like that. I think it's a good chance for anybody who kind of fell out of X-Men to get back into X-Men. Cause I think that in these issues, you're going to get a huge setup as to what this world is and what the main conflict is going to be going forward. And then, you can kind of figure out what you want to read after that. You don't have to read like 10 books at 10 number one issues and then kind of figure things out from there. So I like it. Um, it it's it reminds me a little bit of what he was doing with Avengers and New Avengers, um, which I think was really well done, too. He knows how to like plot things out really nicely um, to where it's a lot, but it's manageable. So, um, yeah, I, I like it. I liked the format and... Um, how they're going about relaunching the whole thing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great point mm-hmm. that you made, Jess, about uh, uh, that these are the only two X books that are going to be out for a while. So people can, uh, people who are maybe new to the X Men or, or even new to comics or, new, you know, um, maybe just haven't read in a while can jump on and, and kind of ride out just a couple of series for a little bit. I think that's a great point. I think that the the key to that too is that if you're a new reader to the X-Men like entirely, you're not going to be any more confused than any of the rest of us are. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a thought that I had reading that like this. Cause, cause I, I am like newer ish to the X-Men and I, and I think too, like even if, if this, not that I don't, not that I necessarily think this would be like a great first comic ever, but this is like a, a, a really great introduction to everything that's happening. And I think like very like, like wide and mysterious and weird and, and crazy to the point that no one knows what's going on, even like the season people. And so it almost levels, levels that playing field in some ways. And it almost even feels, even feels like too, that you read these two books and then you're going to, you're going to be dropped into this whole other new world. And if you aren't reading anything Marvel at all, you could read these two books and then read the X-Men books and like just, and that be your entire Marvel experience and be completely fine. Um, and like mm-hmm. not even worry about any, any of the rest of this stuff. Um, even though, I, even though I love 
that the Fantastic Four shows up in the first issue of this. Oh, yeah. that's so it was so good. Yeah. That was my Especially, favorite scene. Yeah, that was the greatest scene as a Cyclops liker. <laughs> that was <laughs> the greatest scene. Yeah. It, and it was just it's just like it just delivered it so cheerily. He's just like, look, like fuck you, man. And also like Tell your son he's got family waiting for him. Okay, yeah. Cyclops. All right, Scott. Yeah, yeah. That was oh, it was great. It was great. Um, yeah, like it's it's and it's and there are all, like a lot of a lot of moments like that in the in in House of X, like the Fantastic Four show up, and there's like tiebacks to like other uh, things, other things that Hickman's written, and then like it references like some current things. Um, but yeah, like it's it's very. It's like insular and big all all at the same time, which is really, really, really cool. Um, yeah. Well, let's we're there already. Let's go ahead and get into into House of X number one then. Um, so Jess, we'll we'll go to you. We'll go to you first. Um, like overall, what when you got done reading House of X for the first time, and then when you got done reading House of X for the second time, what did what did you think? What was what all was happening? Um, two things stood out to me immediately. Um, one was, is the way that, uh, so I'm going off this without having read with, uh, just off of House of X. I liked the way that Hickman right off the bat is using the now younger Charles Xavier. If that is indeed Charles Xavier, we, but that's like a whole other theory that I've been like obsessed with this whole week. So, um, yeah. Um, I really like that because when that first happened, I thought it was a really stupid idea. It's like, great. So you finally got rid of him for a little while, have the X-Men move on. Now he's back as the younger version of himself, but what is going to be different about him now? And no one really had a chance to explore that until now. So I really like how he's using him because he's not, um... There's an idealism in there, but it's coming out in a very different way. And that's the second thing that stood out to me is how in a lot of X-Men stories, the X-Men always try to isolate themselves and create their own safe havens um, because that's the situation they were always forced into. They were always they were literally getting murdered left and right. And so their only options they saw was to just run away and kind of make their own little piece of the universe and try to live on their own. This time, it's, well, let's make our own little place, but also start using some of the power that we can use, but use the use power in a way that, like, governments will find real. So creating, like, a medicine that will do all these different things for humans and then trying to leverage that into accept us as a true nation an independent nation is kind of genius which has never really been done before um like with genosha like magneto kind of wanted that but he had nothing to offer it was more like we're gonna do what we're gonna do over here and you guys have to deal with it and we know how that ended everybody got murdered um so those were the two things that stood out the most to me after reading the issue the first uh the couple times i did read it um I, I really like the direction that Hickman's going in with how he's um, situating the X-Men now 
to the rest of the world. Because there's, like, this confidence in all the characters that I haven't seen in a really long time. Like, I laugh at that Cyclops scene with the Fantastic Four, but that's, like, a side of Cyclops that that hasn't really been seen in a long time. There's a confidence in there that just has been gone because even in the Bendis stuff, they were on the run the whole time. They were, they're just, there was nothing good happening for any of these characters. So yeah, that's, that's what stood out to me um, right off the bat. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Cyclops is a, he, I mean, he's always been a bit of a dick but like, like a right, a righteous dick, you know, like not one that like, Jess, you said you're a Cyclops fan. I'm a Cyclops fan too. I'm not a fan of dicks, but like he, he's a righteous dick. He's a leader. And, and it's not, when I say dick, I, I really do mean like, like just a bit, like just enough. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like a frat boy with good ideas. Yeah. But there, there you yes. go. And how he many of those are there? Ideas. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, I think, I think, I think you're like you're both like everything. Everything is like like set and like perfect, and everything is like just off a little bit enough that it makes a lot of things like really eerie and really and really interesting. The yeah. first thought that I had when I got to the end of of House of X one um, is like the same. So I'm reading Hickman's like Fantastic Four and FF this summer for Multiversity, um, also, and it's kind of the same thought that i had when i got to the end of his first issue on fantastic four and somewhat like his the first avengers issues like oh the premise here is all like super simple like and 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 it just like gets built down in these like super innate like crazy ways like in fantastic four it was what if what happens if reed tries to solve everything and you just explore that for 60 issues avengers is like what if we decide we need to be bigger and here it's just like what happens if the x-men win like what happens if if Magneto and Xavier like compromise a little bit and just decide that they that that, that they're gonna win and they're gonna like ride this thing out and 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 from reading this and then reading like Powers like like getting to the end of, of House of X and like Magneto saying like you have new gods now and then getting to Powers of X and seeing like or Powers of Ten saying like okay well if the X-Men win, then they're not going to win for forever. It was like, Oh my God, like this, it's just yeah. love. I just love like that. It's like, this is what I've been writing about, like doing the fantastic four stuff from multiversity this summer. It's like, it's just so simple, but it's like, so like crazy and big and nuanced all at the same time. Like the core of it is just like, let's set out to, let's set out to answer one very simple question for like several, several years. <laughs> and just, I love I love that. That's really well said. Um, I love that that Hickman starts off with that idea, and yeah, then in the very in the very next issue, shows you how it all went wrong. You know, immediately, and and, and he, yeah. he's leaving you trying to fill in the the blank there, um, and and having you wonder how they're going to avoid avoid getting to this point or if they even are, you know, I, I love that. I have no idea. So, okay. So this, I, I want to back up a little bit. So house of X, I, I love that, that to, to me, that was like a very straightforward introduction to a potential new world uh, of X-Men that Hickman is writing. And then powers of 10, number one, 
was the one that when I read that, like, I'm like, Oh, now he he's, he's actually really going to challenge people with this issue because, because not that house of X didn't have some elements that were a little bit elusive or complicated, but once you got to powers of 10, it was that like, that's the big brain book out of the two. But yeah, but I love that. Now, now next week we could get house of X number two, and it could be even bigger brain than that. Like, I, I don't know what to expect. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I have no idea where any of this I goes. love that Powers of Ten is bigger brain X-Men, but also it's kind of not because the whole thing goes to hell once they trust Mr. Sinister. Which is like, <laughs> <laughs> which is like what have we learned nothing it's like it's like look how smart this is but also look how stupid they all are like all the things you're like hey we have to do some weird genetic stuff why don't we let mr sinister do that there's no way that that could go wrong at all it's fantastic That's great. That's that's comics right there. It's beautiful because I'm not even mad at it. I'm like, no, this is perfect. This is such an X-Men thing to happen. It's like, oh, yeah, we're all happy now. Let's work together. Yeah, no, let Mr. Sinister be in charge of all the genetic testing. It's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other weird. Like the, oh, go, go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. Oh no, like the, I was just like the guy's literal eugenicist with sinister in his name. But no. yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I was going to say uh, the other thing, the other weird thing that powers of 10 did for me, and maybe, maybe not everybody else had this same experience, but when I read powers of 10, I'm trying to follow all this future timeline stuff. And I, I think after reading it two or three times, I, I've got at least, at least what we think the sequence of events to be uh, down pretty well. <laughs> but <laughs> what, what I found out now talk like talking to both of you is that because of, powers of 10 i almost forgot that the 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 pills thing was even a part of house of x1 you know that that's an entirely different aspect of this story that doesn't really appear in powers of 10 same with the um with the kind of uh government slash i mean you've got all sorts of organizations that came together to form that that program that is kind of the mutant watchdog you know none Mm. of that really shows up in any way explicitly in powers of 10 but that doesn't mean that there aren't elements of that that went into what eventually happened to create this future and i'm fascinated that we're gonna oscillate back and forth and figure out how all these pieces fit together ah it's so good just talking about it has got me like amped up i love it (laughs) yeah it was it was cool to have read. So I reread Powers of Ten because the first time, I guess we're, we're just gonna talk about it both at the same time. It's all fine. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, it's... No, it's good. It, they, I think, and and they, they just deserve to be talked about together. And and it's like I read, I reread, I read Powers of Ten the first time, and it was late at night, and I had a hard time getting through it. Um, and then I reread it again this morning uh, with my coffee, and it was just like this book is is just brilliant. And then I read. And then I reread House of X after that, and it like re it like changed, and like a bunch of things like stood out. Rereading House of X 
for the second for the well, it was the third time that uh, then like re- reading powers of 10 like the the line about like omega mutants being the like natural resource made a lot more sense after reading powers of 10 um mm-hmm. because like that's that's what sinister like cultivated in that like third generation of of mutants that he was like creating or whatever um but you're right like there's so much stuff in house of x that doesn't get referenced in that first issue of powers of 10 like rereading house of x like the map of krakoa like stood out again i was like oh my god i forgot that there were like all these different parts of this island that weren't just like xavier's house and magneto's house and this that and the other and it was also cool to realize because i read them back like kind of back to back that like powers of 10 ends just like house of x begins yeah like with like humans in a garden and like things like uh like being born you know like all this creation stuff and and i had like i had the moment reading powers of 10 and then like reading powers of house of x is like all of this is just so um it's just like so biblical like it's just like drawing on like all of these just like very um like very old myths and very old stories and like even the include like even the inclusion and like powers of 10 of of like the the, like cardinal character and like all the religion stuff it's just like super super cool and like that's all my shit because i'm like in graduate school studying religion and and just like this this is just everything that i want to read in a comic ever but it was like super it was super dope Mm. um but but yeah so so i was gonna so i was gonna ask does it like and we've talked about it a little bit and kind of maybe kind of cleared the answers no but for a lot of people on like online, like this week after Powers of X came out, they were like really sort of like miffed a little bit that like we got this new status quo and we already see how everything is destroyed, destroyed. And we have all of these things together. And I wanted to ask you, Vince, like, what do you think about the fact that we see like the present and the future all together all at the same time? Like, does that bother you or do you think it like just works? I no, knowing Hickman or knowing Hickman's writing, I don't know the man, <laughs> um, but, uh, but knowing like his, best friend, no, no, I, I don't, uh, <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, knowing his Ooh, writing, what if Jonathan Hickman is the Joker's trick. What if... <laughs> that would actually make the most sense out of anything, out of any theory anybody has about who the Joker's trick is. I think that's the best one. Um, <laughs> But just just knowing the way that he writes, I I almost wonder. My assumption is that what we're seeing in Powers of Ten is not the actual end game. You know, it's I like yeah. knowing the way his his mind kind of works. It's almost like by showing you the end that the X Men fear or expect or or whatever, showing you how they're going to subvert it or navigate it is where the real story is, you know? So I actually think, again, I'm putting a lot of trust in who the writer is, but I actually think showing you that quote unquote ending or future right now is vastly preferable to then, because we know how big two comics work, right? Imagine waiting two, three, four years to, to maybe get to some of this stuff if, if it were structured in that way. And then something happens that sends it into a tailspin 
and it just never ends up happening. Or, you know, even if he, even if he were uh, dropping sort of these future uh, looks into the timeline in in a, in a more piecemeal or in a kind of a more bite-sized fashion, plans change so quickly in the publishing world of comics that, that I I almost just want to see like, the logical conclusion right now and then how they how they navigate that comes comes later i to to me that actually makes more sense when it when it maybe shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i i i think i i think i agree and like i don't think that this that powers of 10 is like the end game for whatever this two or three or four years of 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 this, this run and the status quo is going to be. And I think like the fact that it's like year one, year 10, year hundred and year thousand definitely like those are long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like, and I think, I think it, like it remind it reminded me a little bit, not really a little bit, but like, it's, it's, I think comparable ish to like what, like Jason Aaron's been doing with this Thor run the whole time where you have like all these stories that are set in like Viking era and you have like young Thor and then you have all this stuff set like at the end of the world and you have like old all father Thor. I don't know if you've been reading any of that run. Oh yeah. Events. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely the first part of that run I read. Okay. Okay. Um, and you have like all those stories and they're separate and then they kind of commingle uh, in, in some places or, or whatever, but, but like the things that are happening are things that are happening in the present. Uh, like are things that are happening sort of in like the, the contemporary time and they influence sort of like the things that are happening in the future and in the past. And those stories sort of exist together. Um, but like the end game end game was not like, okay, how do we get from here to there? It's just like all of these things are happening all at the same time. And it's cool that they can all have, it's cool. Like seeing, okay, because the X-Men decide to set up, like Krakoa, like to set up the, themselves as a nation, like that just means that the kind of fu- the kind of future and the kind of hatred that humanity is going to extend towards them is just going to get worse, and like humanity is just going to like lean more into like making ourselves more machines so that we can combat combat in other because we're just violent, stupid creatures. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Jess, what uh, what do you think about? the fact that we have the present and the future all kind of all, all happening all at the same time. What if none of powers of 10 is happening and like Charles Xavier is just showing them what might happen. And like at the end of powers of 10, that's like what launches the new series. It's like, Oh, now we have to prevent this from happening. Cause it's like house of X is like all about what they're doing right now. So they're building Krakoa and everything. And it's like, well, what if he's showing like the core people, like here's the future. So we can't have this happen. So yeah, don't trust Mr. Sinister. He's going to show up. Don't trust him. Um, And then like everything just, goes a completely different way or or it isn't happening and they're still being shown this but at the end of all this hickman's gonna tell us hey guess what can't outrun your destiny Uh, ha ha i don't know (laughs) but i don't think anything in powers of 10 has actually happened it reminds me too much of like i don't know it reminds me a lot of like days of future past and like age of apocalypse where like it's not happening i like that it's it's oh it's not a dream if it's yeah. real, Charles, or what does she say? 
yeah, 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 yeah. Oh shoot, yeah. What if, yeah, what if like one of the like, not like comes back and like I yeah. Oh man, well because so that leads us. That's that's really interesting because the other thing that I I wanted to ask that I thought about reading Powers of Ten that I didn't think about reading House of X is all the data pages. Where are those coming from? Oh, they're so good. They're so good. I don't even know, but they're so good. Like Hickman was just like, yeah, I'm pa- I'm back at Marvel. Let's put some uh, graphs and charts <laughs> in these comics. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. No, I think that they're I think that they're beautiful, and I absolutely think that like Tom Muller deserves as much credit as as anybody in um, in this whole cut. Co- like he designed, you know, all the logos for all the the new line, and like for House of X and Powers of Ten, and like him and Hickman designed the design pages in there. I. I love it. Like I, I just am. A, I'm a sucker for for dumb shitty, like dumb interludes like that. And they break up the comic comics so well, and like in our like this like twelve installments like already felt very episodic, and they just like it's almost like getting like when shows like when they have like sort of like the the fade out info information, and then you go to commercial, and like the only thing that I can think of that does that right now is and this is horrible, is Attack on Titan because like they do that like mm. the commercial breaks. There's a like a, a page of like, okay, here's like something that just happened in the show. And like, here's some info about some technology or some enemy or, or something. And it just, but it like breaks, it breaks the action up so well, but I like, but still like, I was like, we got to the end of powers of 10 and there's all that stuff with like the librarian in the future. And I was like, Oh, what if all these like design, like all these information design pages are like from like the, like a thousand years in the future or whatever. Ooh. And that's, and we get to the end of Powers of Ten Six, and like we get that reveal because it reminded me of those few issues of Fantastic Four. When you get to the end of the issue, it's when Hickman's setting up the like, uh, like War of All the Cities, and there's all these pages that are like on an iPad, and it kind of like sums up stuff that happens right after what happens in that issue. And you get to like the end, like the fourth issue of them doing that stuff, and it's like Valeria on her iPad, like taking notes, and that's like. The review. <laughs> um, that's a great that's a great poll man um yeah vince what did you think about about the design stuff i y'all talked a little bit about it on the dc3 when y'all talked about house of x and um but yeah what yeah i'm i'm a sucker for that stuff too and and in particular uh tom muller i i think i think i first caught wind of him back on uh alish cots zero Mm. um he did a lot of the graphic design for for zero and um there's there's just something about that like neo future minimalist kind of style that that does it for me um it's it's just incredibly attractive and easy to read and it's easy to digest potentially complicated concepts like if we're talking about the the uh the mutants that are bred using the different uh sort of DNA strands of the different uh, X-Men, like the, the, the Rasputin four mm-hmm. um, that was produced off of like five different mutant DNA strands. Um, that information just goes down so smoothly with one little infographic, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's really genius, genius level stuff. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of it, but I, but I do wonder how much of that is going to be, the one thing I wonder is, is that going to be in some of these other books that aren't written by Hickman? And if it is, are they going to feel more like 
dime store versions of that because it's not coming from somebody who, you know, as we know from his other writings, like thinks those up constantly, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I I hope it stays consistent, but, uh, but for right now, I I think it's a, I think it's a brilliant addition. I think it's a, a really attractive package. And I really like your idea about that. Like that's the mutant library stuff because, because, um, there's stuff in those, like if we take that as part of the storytelling or part of the fiction, there's stuff in those documents that is very much looking back from the future on past events with context that people in the present time wouldn't ha- wouldn't be privy to, you know? Yeah. There are little com- there are little comments made throughout some of those little capsules about how like it would turn out that this was actually the case, you know? And it was it's it's like it's looking back on a piece of history and recontextualizing it. So so I think that lends credence to your theory there. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I had that that thought too about the design pages, um, and like whether or not they would continue. And it was so it was interesting. I was listening to um, uh, David Harper's like off panel podcasting this week because Mueller was on there talking about uh, not the Mueller report, but Tom Mueller was on there talking about. Uh, <laughs> um, that was a horrible joke uh, <laughs> no, that's uh, good. about about like design stuff and about some of his like when he got involved with this and and he was asked like did, if he had more stuff in this world coming up and I think he kind of dodged a little bit but he made it sound like he didn't um, that like this like House of X and Powers of 10 would kind of be and I, I, I do think that probably him and Hickman came up with the here's kind of what all of them are going to look like and then Hickman is doing the uh, like the rest of it, and it's like going forward, they might look similar to this, like in the and like in the main X Men title, but they won't. I mean, like, I guess like he doesn't need to design every. He not like he was designing every page. He was like designing like the look of what the pages would look like. Um, but mm-hmm. I did like I I did think of that. Uh, and I and something that I think is is really good about the fact that that Hickman is not writing all six of these books and that there's more than just like one book that's coming out after, after house of X and powers of 10. And is that as much as I love Hickman and as much as I love like his ideas and the way that he builds worlds, sometimes like when he gets to the middle of things, he gets really like bogged down and really uh, like, that's when he struggles the most is in like the middle of, of stories. Like when, when things keep building and building and building and then, they just keep building because there's no, there's no time, like no time to rest and no time to, um, to like sit there. And sometimes like, I, I think about sort of the end of, of new Avengers and, and Avengers, like the time runs out stuff after he's already built all these things in that run, which lead into secret wars. But then like you get to the end of, of all the times where it runs out stuff and things just kind of stop. And then Secret Wars happens and things wrap up and Secret Wars is is wonderful and like a great event. But like sort of like the the middle to the end of New Avengers Avengers is like a little rocky. And so it's good then that in this like relaunch that there are more voices than just Hickman's that are going to and like the middle of this world is going to be fleshed out by a lot of really cool people. And it's not just going to fall to him to do this. And I do think that like the X-Men book, the one that he'll be writing will be the most like world buildy and like just things are going to keep getting bigger, but we're also going to have time 
to just like sit with the status quo with other books and other characters. And so I think that that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I would, I would wager good money that the rest of the X-Men books are going to be a little bit more conventional, I guess, not necessarily bad, but a little bit more conventional than what he's doing. And I think he's doing that on purpose. I think like there's a, there's a plan he has and then they've even mentioned that there will be a second wave of books so i don't think any of these are designed to stick around that long except for what he's doing um because there is like this big grand plan so i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see the charts and the graphs only in his work um yeah i wouldn't be surprised by that i don't think i don't i don't think they're gonna be bad books i just think they're gonna be much more conventional than what he's doing Mm. Mm mm-hmm and there, there is something to be said for, like, at the end of the day, uh, it, it is a big two comic. And s- some of the best, some of the best stuff about Marvel or DC comics to me is when there's like a shared universe, even if it's not among all the books, even if it's like off in one corner, when there's like, you know, three or four or five different books written by different people, but they're kind of all rowing in the same direction that can be really exciting. Even, even if there's a weak point here and there, it's exciting to get those different perspectives and it's exciting to break them apart and then see how they come together eventually. Because you know, even though there's all these different waves of separate books, there's going to be an overarching narrative essentially that, that draws them together occasionally, I would imagine. Yeah. Actually, I think I, I, I read... I think it was Hickman talking. He he hosted his own panel uh, at San Diego Comic-Con where it was just an hour of him answering fan questions. And he was the moderator. <laughs> and uh, I think during that panel, he said something about there's no determined time for how long this is going to run, but that it, it's it's essentially broken up into three parts. Part one being the... House of X, Powers of Ten, Dawn of X stuff. And then there's a second status quo. And he said that status quo, whatever it is, we have no idea, could last as many years as Marvel would would want it to. Mm. And then there's an idea for a conclusion. You know, so so if it's successful enough, Marvel's willing to keep going down this same pathway, that status quo could last a while. But then he he knows in his mind how he envisions it all wrapping up into a third part. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. I I know we're getting the wave one books and we're getting wave two. Does it go beyond that, or is that going to be you know it'll remain to be seen? But but I really like that. I really like that idea that that there are these uh, myriad of writers or whatever that get to play around in this world too, because it's not. Even though Hickman's establishing the status quo, it's not they're not Hickman's toys, they're Marvel's toys. And I think Marvel and DC benefit when more writers get to play with all the toys. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like even just like looking um at like the wave like the first wave of titles and like what was announced. Like I can't imagine that something like Fallen Angels or um Fallen Angels maybe maybe the only one like Fallen Angels maybe and maybe like Excal- Excalibur and Marauders like I can't imagine that books like those aren't 
aren't many aren't many series or don't like have like definitive sort of endings. Like I can't see, mm-hmm. I can't see something like Fallen Angels as much as I like like Brian Hill and and Simon Kadrancy. Sorry, um, like I can't see something like that lasting more than like eight or ten issues. Sure. No, and I, I think that's going to end up being what happens. I think it's, I think that's that's the whole plan, which I I think is really um interesting for the X Men because the last few years everything's been like these longer the the core series have been like longer and drawn out and or they've been like super short and don't really contribute all that much to the bigger story um so it's gonna be something to see an x-men line that seems to be running all at the same time um and with like limits as as to how many issues these books are all gonna get because I think that's what we're looking at. I think um, I, him saying at San Diego Comic-Con that there were going to be more series coming in waves. I, I think it's it's like kind of interesting that the X-Men are about to be like organized. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, like the Bendis stuff was, there were some interesting ideas in there. But like at a certain point, this, all the books were running at like, completely opposite ends of whatever timeline they were creating it was like oh now there's an event so now we're gonna stop everything for that and then come back later and now all of a sudden beast knows how to do magic okay (laughs) Um, yeah so it's it's i'm excited for the for this whole thing to play out because i don't remember a time where the the x-men line was like working (laughs) so yeah Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. I realize, and and I know we're getting to the end, but I realize that we've made it almost an hour, and we haven't really at all talked about the art on either of these books. And I know that's that's totally my fault. But what did y'all think about about what the Raz and and Silva and and like Ingracia brought to to these two books? Um, Vince, we'll 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 go to you. Sure. Um, I I love that. First of all, I'm a, I'm a fan of both of those artists, um, both of the both of the pencilers. Um, I think they have pretty complementary styles. There's there's nothing like there's there's nothing uh, technically fancy about what they do. They, they just draw nice, clean, really well designed, really nice looking versions of all these characters. Um, and while they don't have identical styles that they're they're of the same they're of a piece you know these two books don't look wildly differently different from one another Mm -hmm. um i think both of them have seriously stepped up their game uh for this project because both of these books are just filled with this sense of visual grandeur you know they can show you something really huge or they can show you something in really microscopic detail and it it comes across just as big or just as small as they mean it to um they sell the dramatic moments really well whether they're large or small Uh, one of the most striking segments to me was in powers of 10 uh where silva does the opening where uh, Charles is just walking around the festival mm-hmm. 
there's something I don't I don't want to use the, the the phrase cinematic or try to make comics into into a movie or something because they're not. But like there's something uh, dramatic in like an auteur in an auteur director sense of just watching Charles walk around that festival, look around, sit down the way that Mora approaches him. It's like it's like something out of a dream like movie or some like like Fellini or something I don't I'm maybe overselling that but uh but you know even those small moments are just rendered with such uh such a dreamlike quality to them that that it that it disarms you I think um yeah they're they're, they're both really great looking books yeah yeah no I think I think that's I think that's a really good point and that's like a really great sequence sequence to bring up because i like it really did feel that the both of these books like felt very episodic um i think i i think i used that that word like, it felt like 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 peering into like an a, a strong like bite of like a television series and then like peering into like something completely different like with powers of 10 the next weekend, just like, we'll be alternate, like alternating back and forth and like really like getting something like exciting, like getting like an episode weekly and like the art really, like really, really added to something. Like, and it felt, I think, I think cinematic is a good word though. I don't, yeah, I think you're right. Like not that, not that we're trying to make comics and intelligent, but there was something like really um, just sort of fun about getting, to like read these two books back to back the last two weeks in a way that um, that like when really like when when you're like watching a really good television show, not that like people do this in like the age of Netflix where like something comes on every week and you're really excited about it coming on every week. But like in that age of of when when TV was more like that, when like you when you would get really, really excited about something coming on every week and you would like sit down with with, with your family or by yourself and like sit for an hour and watch and then, you know, be done and go about the rest of your your night or the evening or whatever. Like that's, that's what like the experience of reading with these kind of felt like to me, like it reminded me of sitting down with, with my parents and watching and, and my brother watching like Star Trek Voyager when it was coming out. Um, and mm. just fun. Uh, and yeah, I think both like Laraz and, and Silva do like a really great job. And I also think like Gracia like ties both of the books together really well, even though like both, have like very different like color schemes. Like there's a lot of like reds and oranges and yellows in House of X and a lot more like blues and purples and greens in um and like powers of ten. But like they both still very much feel like uh like parts of the same whole. Uh, and I do think that like Laraz and and Silva have like definitely stepped it up. And I love like both of them and I'm really um like I'm glad that they're both getting like this like this high profile work. Um, and like both of their styles are very, uh, like almost like, like anime esque. Like we've talked a little bit about <laughs> this show that like Marvel's kind of moving into this like newer, um, sort of like house style with people like Laraz and Stefano Caselli and Valeria Skeety, um, and people like them where it's sort of this more, um, like animated digitally kind of style. Uh, like kind of like like Jorge Jimenez, which I also had the thought reading this of like, oh, shoot, there's a timeline somewhere that exists with Jonathan Hickman and Jorge Jimenez doing a Legion of Superheroes book 
Oh my god. Uh. <laughs> uh, so sorry about about that, but like that really, I was like, had a. I just heard that's. Whole- I just heard Zach Wilkerson cry somewhere because you said that. <laughs> uh, poor Zach. Poor Zach. Poor kid. Um, but yeah, like I just they they work like all really really well um, together, and like both of these books are are gorgeous. And it makes me sad that not that neither of these artists are going to be in like this first wave of books because I really wanted one of them or both of them to be with Hickman, like going forward on X-Men to like, kind of like keep the consistent sort of art style. And I'm sure that they'll be back in, in wave two or wave three or, or like I inevitably when artists change after like arcs and stuff, I'm sure they'll be around, but, but I think that both of these books are gorgeous. Yeah, no, they really are. <clears throat> I agree with what, with everything you guys said. Um, like the, the the books definitely still feel like X-Men books, but it's just a little bit more elevated. It's not like the old Marvel kind of house style where it's a little too generic. Um, so I really did like that. My only weird thing about the art was that Fantastic Four scene. Like, they've got Sue Storm, like, in this weird pose. Like, they just got done with a fight, and she's, like, posed, like, this really playful, flirty kind of thing, and it makes no sense. I'm like, it's a nice shot, but it makes, like, no sense in the context of what they're doing. Because it's, like, right before he says to her, "Make tell your son he's got family waiting for him. It's like, that That was a weird disconnect. But other than that, it's gorgeous. Um, but as far as that whole Moira thing, that's not Moira. So we'll leave we'll leave that at that. Whoa! Not Moira. <laughs> you don't think so? No. There's a theory going around that is good, but I... Uh, I got I got it down in my head. That's Cassandra Nova. There's Ooh. no way that Hickman takes over X-Men and doesn't get weird with it and brings in Cassandra Nova. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. That's good. I like that. I like that. That would yeah. Yeah. I I I see that panel that you're talking about, Jess. Um yeah, I don't know. She must be hot on Cyclops or something. I, I guess. I mean, look, he got, look, at the end of the day, Cyclops was able to somehow get both Jean Grey and Emma Frost to just, like, <laughs> go head over heels over him. So, <laughs> Sue Storm's just the next one in line. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, but his, no, costume, his costume is very suggestive. So. It's very suggestive. But, no, the, the art is really, really good. I just, I just, that's, like, the weirdest thing about it that makes, like, no sense. But it's, it's really, it's, they're both very beautiful books, um, but in mm-hmm. very different ways. Like, Powers of Ten is, is more, like, space fantasy, and, like, that's cool. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of them come back in some way um, down the line with him. Um, because, you know, he's definitely the kind of guy that when you bring in, um, to do something like this, he's probably picking who he wants to work with. Um, so I, I could see him bringing both of them in for, for something else, not too far from now. Probably get, they'll probably get a very nice, well-deserved break for doing a weekly book. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that that's, that's right. Like, that's what I thought is like, oh, they, you know, they'll have finished this and they'll, you know, get, get some time and then they'll start working on I guess like the next big thing so maybe it makes sense that they're not in this first round I also really kind of thought 
and and I mean, he just finished War of the Realms, but I kind of thought that like it was going to be Hickman and Dodderman on on X Men starting off. Uh, that like they needed to wrap up War of the Realms so quickly so that like Dodderman can go draw X Men or whatever. But he's like drawing covers mm. for things, so I don't know. He might be coming back. I did. I kind of thought that that just that panel that you're you're pointing to of Sue being all like like what like hot trot or whatever uh people don't say that um uh, <laughs> i just kind of thought it was like in match sort of like the cutesy like scotch just being like kind and you know like you know saying mazel tov to to ben and just sort of like checking up with everyone and they're kind of like okay like yeah we're still definitely friends and then and then he pulls the no like i'm 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 here to be serious this is not like a a coincidence or anything so i thought it he's was like going, sort of disarming but i he, he's going to kidnap a whole child i can't wait yeah <laughs> can't wait yeah. as uh you know as as as, as gail simone says, says you know cyclops is cyclops is the worst he's like oh he, yeah. he he is but i love him <laughs> he's a terrorist who kidnaps children man yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> um whatever uh well, cool. Um, well, do you have any other any other pressing thoughts that you need to get out? Any other hot takes or fan theories or exciting? Uh, one thing. One thing I wanted to talk about, um, and I think I I just didn't jump in quick enough early on. You had mentioned the six dollar price point mm-hmm. of each issue, and I do think that that's. I I don't think that's a great precedent for um, comics in general, especially not big two comics. Um, I wish we knew more about compensation of creators when, when things like this happen, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah. Is more of that is more of that going back to investing in paying the creatives or whatever. (laughs) The skeptic in me wonders, you know, but, um, but I think, what I will say is when, and I said, I, I, I was talking about this earlier today. Um, when it comes to like Bendis and what he's doing over at DC, when you think about event Leviathan, I don't know if anybody uh, who listens to this is also allowed to read DC, but um, uh, if you think about their, their event Leviathan, those are $4 issues a piece. They're 20, 20, 22 pages. They maybe that maybe they're a little bit longer than a, a regular book, but but uh, the amount of story you get <laughs> pales in compare. Like bo- like both of these issues together, put, stack them up against the first two issues of Event Leviathan. There's like a hundred times as much stuff going on in these two issues by comparison, and so I think like um, if every comic that costs six dollars was this much of a return on investment as far as like length of time it takes to read quality of the story and the art amount of time you sit around thinking about it after you're done reading it. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't complain about this price point where everything at it of a similar quality. So I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is if, if the price point is putting anybody off, in this particular case, I think it's totally worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, 
and I think that you're right. Like in, in, in particularly in this instance, um, like yeah, everything that you said, like the amount of stuff that's here, the amount of rereads that something like this warrants, which is like not something that I usually do with a regular issue that I pay four dollars for. Like I usually no. read a comic once and then I'm done with it, and then I move on to the next one. Um, and like these, like I've sat and thought about a ton, like reread and will continue to reread. Um, what got me the most, I think, talking about the price point, was that the first issues were six dollars, and then that all the rest of the issues were four ninety nine and not like three ninety nine. Like I think, mm. I think that I'm more okay, I guess, paying more for a first issue because Marvel's made Marvel and DC both and other places have made that a norm. Um, it's the the like four ninety nine being the set price point for the rest of of these issues that got me a little bit. Sure. Ah, that yeah, that that that's fair. But but I think again, having now read these issues, if every comic that was five ninety nine or four ninety nine was as dense and as as um, heavy and and all that is something like this, then maybe I would have less to complain about. Maybe I wouldn't, but I think that would require Marvel to publish like 50 less comics per month. Yes. Yes, Um, absolutely. Oh, the thing I want so bad to happen. Yeah. And they, I want like 20 good comics a month. They publish like $200 worth of comics every month now, which is just like insane. Um, That's crazy. And like absolute carnage. Number one comes out in a couple weeks and it's 72 pages. Like it's like a, and you know, an oversized first issue. It's seven 99. Oh my god! And then, like the rest of the issues, I think of that like five issue event are four ninety nine. I think too for a carnage book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couldn't be me. Yeah. Could not be me. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> but I suppose you'll have to read it for the show. I'm guessing. Uh, maybe. I mean, I usually don't read comics, so you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I, yeah. I'm I'm very thankful for 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 press comments said that. <laughs> but like but again like thinking about like this book like comicsology has the director's cut of house of x the digital one and it has like the full kickman's full script in the back of it it's like 178 pages it's 5.99 and i've like definitely oh, nice. buying it also in addition to like having bought the first issue of this book and also like have read it read our press copy or whatever um because like it's really good and really exciting and there's so much here and I would love to like read the script, which is not something that I usually think when I'm like reading comics. Um, so I get, I'm, I'm more okay with it now having read these issues overall. I think it, it says more about the, the sort of horror and tragedy of, of the industry than it does like this particular comic maybe. Well, any other, any other, uh, Hickman Hickmanian thoughts? I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just so thrilled that this so far, and, and you're right, Kevin, it's only two issues so far. It's lived up to my wildest dreams of, of, of what these first two issues could have been, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I hope it keeps up. Yeah. Same, same. Um, yeah. well folks, that is, that is it for this, this installment of make mine multiversity. We'll be back, uh, for our regular third Friday of the month episode in a few weeks to talk about absolute carnage and to talk about some other, uh, July, (laughs) my God, crossing myself right now. Uh, talk about some more July, August books from Marvel, like the debut of Valkyrie, 
the future first issue of Future Foundation uh, comes out, we're going to miss. We won't get the, the Marvel Comics a thousand won't be on in time for for us to record that episode. But there will be some other uh, things that we'll get to touch on. Um, thanks for listening, Fence. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being uh, part of the show this week. People can find you on Twitter at Joker's Trick, right? That's right. That's that's right. Yeah. Good. 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 Uh, and Jess, where can people find you on the larger interwebs? Um, you can find me on Twitter at JessCamNJ. Um, it's about to be football season, so <laughs> so yeah. I don't read comics anymore, but I'll tweet about some. I'll tweet about my misery as a Jets fan. Those are always yeah. fun. To, those are always fun to read. So. <laughs> Nice. And folks, you can find me uh, at KBGregory13. I guess I will be back in a couple weeks. Thanks for being here. All the stuff. I still don't know how to end these things. Um, (laughs) Read more. Make mine Hickman. Okay, bye.